p.m. Every Sunday, town's always about the culture. Do out in sculpture, recording every Friday. So here it our way, no need to catch a flight away. Stay tuned for our take. Welcome back. Episode 104, After Dinner Conversations is back. It's a nice and cool Thursday evening. I'm here. Steven's here. Corey's here. Like we always do it. Uh, make sure y'all subscribe, like, and engage with us on all platforms that we're on. Definitely want to hear y'all voices. Um, now to go into the check-in. Steven, Corey, how have y'all been, man? Um, it has been a good week. Um, well, a good couple weeks. The semester has officially wrapped up for me. So I'm super excited about that. Um, work is pretty much wrapped up for me through the end of the year, minus a meeting or two. So super excited to relax um, over the next couple of weeks. Excited to chill. My One of my favorite shows is back, Last Chance You Basketball. So uh, I will be, watch, I'll be watching that. It's great yeah, TV. Season, uh, season uh, damn it. I got to watch it. Watch that first it. season was tough. I like that first yeah, season. Yeah, so I will be watching that uh, during the week. So excited to chill, go home and see family. So looking forward to it. But, but, but. Um, I'm doing good. Uh, tapped in with a lot of new music recently. I'm trying to absorb everything. It's been a lot. It's it's been a lot, but it's been good. I started um just saying before pause. Um, Godfather Harlem. I, I don't know what it is, but if there's a mafioso show and it takes place in the 80s, 70s, 60s, they get me good, bro. I'd be curious. Um, so I'm on like episode four right now. I like it a lot. I like um, I think they have really good casting. Uh, I think the only one that's a little iffy is the um, Bumpy's wife. I don't know. There's something off about her. But other than that, I think it's really good casting. I think they really did a good job with the actually Italian mafia side, which is pretty cool. Um, and every time I watch a show like that, if it's not something I, I know outright, like, you know, uh, like Gambino, Crime Family, everything else. So I just started looking things up. And so I had to look up that that specific side of the mafia film and the dude that Bumpy's beefing with that ends up taking over a large part of um, Harlem and everything. So I don't know. It's, it's, I like it so far. I'm only a few episodes. I think it's a really good show. Uh, I'm trying to like, I want to like kick back and relax and watch shows, but I've just been really, really busy. Uh, I've been busy with work stuff. I've been busy with my own personal stuff, and I'm just really exhausted. So I'm looking forward to getting some rest once we get into holiday break. So, oh, and I, and I'm playing Mike and Fancy a uh, basketball, and I'm trying to win so we can both be five and four. Big facts. <laughs> yes, I need to, I need to see I need to see our rosters because I didn't know y'all was in fantasy basketball already. I need to see our rosters, man. <laughs> oh yeah, Mike Mike got the best roster in the league, bro. Arguably, arguably. <laughs> It's debatable. Uh, but I'm doing good, too. Like, Corey, my semester just ended. Um, looking to relax, rewind, and enjoy the holiday season, really. Um, and just kind of keep my personal winter to-do list going. Um, but besides that, we can hop into the cocktail hour. Uh, so for the first story, I want to mention that the police officer who murdered and I don't want to butcher, Tatiana Jefferson. Uh, she was a 28-year-old woman. Uh, she was shot inside of her home by a police officer in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, on October 12, in 2019, the police arrived at her home after a neighbor called a non-emergency number uh, stating that Jefferson's front door was open. And then the police officer showed up. It escalated by some degree, and she was shot and murdered while she was playing video games with, with her eight-year-old nephew. And that police officer was just found guilty of manslaughter. Um, just one of your initial thoughts and reactions on that situation. Yeah, so this is somewhat similar, unrelated to the Brianna Taylor case. Different scenario, obviously. 
um, in different circumstances. Um, where did this take place again? Fort Worth, Texas. Texas, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I th- uh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that um, he was found guilty of something. I'll be. In- I don't know what the the penalty for manslaughter is in Texas. Um, so in terms of like years imprisonment, I, to my knowledge, I don't. I think depending on other states, I think it's no more than twenty. So I don't know how that works in Texas. So we'll see how that plays out in terms of the sentencing. But uh, I mean, I'm I'm glad the justice system is doing its justice. I don't I don't have much more to add than that. Um, but we'll we'll see how everything plays out in the next coming weeks. Yeah, um, I think you know it goes to show. I think you know uh, Stephen and myself were just wondering the the backstory. I think you know this was one that I don't know if it fell between the cracks of everything that was going on. You know, 2019, 2020, but this wasn't a case that I was familiar with initially uh, prior to you know getting the the notes for today. And so it's always interesting to to hear, and I think it it hurts more knowing that there's probably so many more cases like this that sort of go unheard. And I think, you know, it goes back to that balance that we talked about, about, you know, being inundated with, you know, um, such traumatizing news all the time versus, you know, being able to take a step away. But it, it definitely hurts to hear, um, you know, whenever things happen of this nature, you know, the the nephew that was there, I'm sure, is traumatized, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for the rest of their life and, and things of that nature. So it you hate to hear it and you you know you always say you know at least justice was was served in in some capacity but you know that that will will never bring back you know the life that was taken so you know you you're you sort of again are are thankful that there's some response some justice in this situation but you hope that there's ways to prevent these things from happening in in the future altogether yeah, for sure for sure thank you for your thoughts you know god bless her her family um yeah, and we just keep praying that more justice like this is delivered out. Um, for our next cocktail topic, uh, I want to talk about Dr. Claudine Gay. She's just been named the next president of Harvard. I believe she's the first uh, person of color. She's a Black woman, and she's the second woman uh, in Harvard's history, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to hold that position. I'm just going to read her um, Wikipedia bio real quick. Yeah, uh, so Claudine Gay. Yeah, she's a scholar of government and African-American studies, as well as a university administrator. She serves as Harvard's Wilbur A. Coward Professor of Government and of African and African-American Studies and Edgar Lee Family Dean of the Harvard Faculty of Arts and Sciences. Um, just want to know your thoughts and uh, that, uh, you know, good news, I will say. Uh, I mean, I think so. Giving my really initial thoughts before I was able to digest it, I think initially seeing the news, my question was related to the uh, admissions case that's also going on with Harvard, you know, mm-hmm. and the and the impact that something like this could have on it. I think we talked about that a few episodes ago, but just understanding, you know, you you always question whether something is being done just for branding purposes or, you know, sort of, you know, just symbolically. Mm-hmm. as opposed to being able to have a meaningful voice and, and make change on campus. Um, so, you know, here knowing that there is an admissions case and facing the um, in front of the Supreme Court right now that has the impact of removing race as a factor from uh, admissions decisions, that's already a topic of conversation in higher ed communities and even, you know, talking about it in corporate spaces, what that looks like from a talent pipeline perspective. So I think it's it's great to hear, you know, that there is a black woman, you know, as the president of Harvard, you know, one of the 
most historic institutions, I think, in this country, um, arguably. But you also wonder, you know, the amount of impact, the amount of voice that she'll have, you know, given the board of trustees, given, you know, some of these other uh, sort of checks and balances that are in place. But I think most directly, my question was how this might not only impact, but what the response will be from Harvard uh, regarding the decision that's, you know, coming from the Supreme Court uh, relatively soon. And, you know, how that will move forward in college admissions, because I'm sure a lot of institutions will look to Harvard, who's directly named in the case and their response um, to see how they'll move forward. Yeah, um, I don't have much more to add to that. Um, I think it's, well, very big congratulations to her. And I think it's um, important that Harvard recognizes that they have they have that little talent and I don't want to say greatness necessarily, but just someone with that 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 level of accomplishments willing to take the um the helm of that. And Harvard, again, one of the most prestigious universities in this country, arguably in the world. I think it's well earned and well deserved. And like Corey said, it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting how this plays out. Um, I'm always skeptical when it comes to things of this nature, particularly when there's active cases that have to do with um, minorities, especially black minorities, and people make mm -hmm. these kind of plays. I don't want to call them that, but I never know what their true intent is. So we're going to see how this plays out. And again, um, what I don't want to see, though, is when this plays out, people trying to use that to like shoe in an endless line of questioning on her as if she is the Supreme Court. Um, I do ask or hope that people give her enough grace to at least get comfortable in her role, learn her position. And then from that point, I excel in the way that she is hopefully capable of doing. Yeah, no, those are great, great thoughts. Um, I fully agree. Um, and to your points, like, you know, I think the way power structure works in for a lot of institutions in this country, it's black people are allowed to have positions, but are they really allowed to have power and just, mm. you know, decision-making choices? You know, those are two different, two different, you know, very different. And, I think it's always right to question and critique whether you like, you know, what's happening right in front of us instead of, uh, and not to um, disparage the situation or put this on what Harvard has done, because of course we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but you know, we don't want this to be another case of someone putting a person out there for face value, like Corey said, for optics and not, so not because they have or are capable or want the change that they want to implement for the university uh, that is Harvard, uh, what is, that is world known. Um, and for the last cocktail topic, it was on uh, President Biden signing the interracial and same-sex marriage bill, um, giving it federal protections, pretty much protecting both marriage unions against any future political attacks that may come for them through legislation or through some, uh, excuse me, or through Supreme Court um, cases or overturning and things of that nature, or state assaults, state legislature assaults on those type of um, marriages. I uh, just want to know what y'all thoughts were on that kind of I would say it's a historic bill uh, being signed. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get some clarification. So he signed the bill, right? This was it's mm -hmm. not executive order, is it? So no, no, no. It was, it was with the, Congress, with the Congress. Right? Yeah. So that means whatever the Supreme Court decides with, uh, was it lovely, uh, love, love, what's, what's the name of the bill for the interracial <laughs> one? Damn, I just forgot. Uh, loving versus Virginia. Lo yeah, yeah, yeah. Loving versus, thank you. Loving versus Virginia. Mm -hmm um that has no like i, I guess I'm, I'm a little confused and so forgive my legal and political precedence like I'm really no steven i had i had the exact same question <laughs> but yeah so like like so like does it overrule i just I, i'm i usually understand this but like right now my head is just in the clouds so 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 does it i best i think my question probably similar to steven's is does this have sort of 
overarching authority uh, among the three branches of government as a, as a decision, I guess. I don't know if that phrases it any better than what Stephen was saying. I, I think it phrased it pretty well. Like, if, so if in the case of Loving and Virginia getting overruled by the Supreme Court, what it, what is protected exactly? That's what I'm, I'm questioning. Because end of the day, this it gets overruled. That bill exists. So what where where does the power lie? I think that's what my question really is. Or does it or does it prevent Loving the Virginia yes. from being brought up to the Supreme Court again? Or like you know. Yeah, I would say it's. So no, I just looked it up to give y'all. So the new law officially voids the Defense of Marriage Act, which defined marriage as between a man and a woman, and mandates that the states honor the validity of out-of-state marriage licenses, including same-sex and interracial unions. Um, and pretty much, so in the case, well, I wouldn't, from my understanding, uh, if it was Loving versus Virginia, weren't you know being contested in the Supreme Court. This this is a federal law that you can point to as evidence and legislation that gives it the protection from a uh, Supreme Court overturn. If that okay. makes sense, yeah. So like that that would be a logic that that would be applied if that makes sense. Like in a in a, like a state couldn't move. Yeah, a state couldn't move and say that you know we're going to ban same sex marriages because now there's federal okay. protection. It's like thinking about civil rights protections on. Okay. how discrimination and racial stuff like you can't do certain things because the federal government is going to step the department of justice is going to step in okay. and correct that action Rant, but wouldn't this what, but wouldn't this ahead, be mike. a oh my fault. Ahead, no no go ahead cory my, my question is kind of silly so go ahead wouldn't this be a question <laughs> i don't know which uh where it falls legislatively but saying that this isn't um something that the federal government has authority to enact on states would that be something that can be contested? If that makes sense, because um, there, there, there's certain like there's certain things that where I believe that it was strictly state jurisdiction to, and I and I thought that everything not discussed, you know, within the amendments was stuff that was left to the states to determine for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We got to get Angela Ryan on the pod, man. <laughs> Look, I'm over here asking these high questions, like, bro, I don't yeah. know what I'm what right. I'm even saying. <laughs> Uh, so, well, so what I was gonna say, and this is my random question, while Mike tries to figure out, figure information out for us, is <laughs> do you do you is your race on your marriage license? I know it used mm -hmm. to be. Is this, but is it still? Because like, why? I don't know. And, and in this case, I think that's where my confusion with the interracial marriage lies. Like, how? Like, how? It's not even like how would they know? Like, maybe they see you cool, but like. How would they like? How would they know if it's not on the marriage license? I just I think I'm tough time on that. I know I I've seen older marriage licenses where race was certainly on there. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not know what marriage license in 2022. Three single dudes. What 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 a marriage license looks like? We are cooked today, guys. We're cooked. We're cooked. We're cooked. We're cooked. We got we got we we should we should call one of our one of our our mentors in here and get get a verification. Oh well, actually, most of our mentors got married a while ago, so we we need a recently married individual to Facts. get the status of that. But now, I was I was just curious. I think I, I'm not surprised because I think they all fall into the same kind. I think I'm just, just a little bit surprised that interracial marriage was included. I, I would think same sex marriage or um, LGBTQIA plus marriages will be a prior not even just a priority i think they would just have much more precedent because of the world we live in 
not to say interracial relationships don't matter, but I, I just wouldn't, I don't know. I, I didn't think that was the pressing issue. That's it. Uh, I didn't know I was being contended by individuals. Of course, we. Yeah, but it's just um, post role decision from this. Yeah, yeah, just just yeah. get everything. That makes the everything. Not, yeah, yeah you can put everything under there, which is fine. Because because um, before these things didn't have explicit federal protections before, like yeah. like y'all to your point, there was um um what some like to call states' rights, and when things are left up to states' rights, then you can do whatever you want as long as the legislator believes in it. Yeah. Um, and so they didn't want to play with that because they saw because people always said, Oh, it would never be abortion, it'd be abortion until a day. It is abortion, it's overturned by the Supreme Court. So, you know, if that's not safe, and that's been you know established law for like 15 longer than we've been alive, you know, 50, yeah, 60 years 50, now, yeah, like, you know, what's what's loving versus Virginia? What's like you know, what's every over I forgot the um, Oberfell, um, for the same sex marriage. Like, what are these court cases? Because mm -hmm. those are both Supreme Court cases, too. So, that yeah. those could be overturned, too, if they didn't have the explicit protections. Okay. No, I think so. That answers my question, um, too, as well. So, thank you for that. I mean, I think mm -hmm. for me to give any additional thoughts aside from what we spoke about, I think, you know, even being having to ask these questions to, to gain understanding, I think it shows the complex nature of, you know, a lot of these bills and decisions and things that are going on. And I think it does encourage it, especially for me and having conversations like this encourages me to get more politically active, right? Not just in terms of elections, but trying to understand, you know, what's going on behind these bills, right? We see the headlines on CNN, or we see the the tweets on Twitter with, you know, the, the, you know, 140 character summary, but, oh, you know, God. these bills are, you know, I would imagine might, you know, 50 to 100 pages sometimes, um, or, you know, maybe more than that, that have mm -hmm. substantial information. And there's sometimes a lot of stuff tucked in page 98, subsection B23, yep. you know, that has nothing to do with what the headline says that still impacts people. And so I think it, it does encourage that to happen. But I think it it's also a reminder that a lot of the things that are normal for us at, you know, our mid twenties that things that we just had have been in place for 50 or so years can still be threatened. And I think that's a reminder of the importance of our voice, our vote, our political activism, our, mm. the conversations that we're having with our peers, because, you know, nothing is promised. And I think we always say tomorrow isn't promised, you know, as, you know, sort of a, a saying, but rights and, you know, guarantees and protections and, and things of that nature aren't promised either. And I think this is a, a reminder of how important it is to to make sure that we're having representatives that have our best interest in mind, but also that we're engaging in conversations and having conversations with our friends and peers to let them know how important one bill can be, one, you know, vote can be, one, you know, uh, you know, suggestion can be in, in Congress and, and the Senate and things of that nature. So it, it's super important. And I think it, it reminds you to to really not take anything for granted because, you know, nothing, nothing is promised. That's facts. That's big facts. Absolutely agree. And if I want to know more about the Respect for Marriage Act, I encourage you to go to congress.gov. You can just type that into Google and there's a nice summary on the website about it giving statute, statutory authority, excuse me, for same-sex and inter, interracial marriages on, on the federal level. Um, thank you all for that good cocktail level. Uh, and we're now we're going to get into our main topic today, uh, which is more miseducation, essentially wanting to have a discussion around how much do y'all or we factor education into where we live? Um, what do we want for our children? What kind of experiences do we want for our kids? I think, you know, 
if you're an adult, <laughs> you plan to have children. Like, you know, I don't think we have enough conversations about how that can be a surprise factor when the child is here and the, their education is coming up, um, and how important those decisions are, and just kind of see how we can go through that list. Um, so for my first question, I wanted to ask y'all, how big is education a factor for where you choose to live? And as far as what education uh, schools or uh, programs are offered in the community? Um, I think it's a pretty, pretty big factor. Um, I think, I think personally, and again, I do not have kids. So my answer is, is allowed to change in the coming years. I think it's very important to have a school that is like great educationally. Like I'm talking about, you know, college readiness. I'm talking about the available of like college level classes when it comes to high school. When I think about middle school, I'm thinking about a lot of exploratory sciences that are available, some arts. Um, well, I, I feel like it has to be very encompassing. Um, but past from just a educational, like academic perspective, I really, really do want the school to be diverse. I think that's very important to be, for my kids at least, is to them to be in a diverse school environment. I think a lot of you know your your student your, your students your kids are going to be in that school six and seven hours a day a lot of their development is happening at those these schools and I, and i think if if they're not in the best um uh, environment you know there's a lot of bad bad things or things that can come to hurt them later down the line that affect them so i think for me it's pretty important mm -hmm. that's a good reason Stephen, when you say diverse, do you mean um, the, the, the well, racial just, demographics yeah. of the students? Okay. We, we we don't got to be around the boys. That's exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about. The racial demographic <laughs> of the students. I would prefer for it to be diverse. There's no shade or slight to anybody. I've just seen it with my own eyes, and I think yeah, it's same. very important. So, that's okay, just, no, that was I it. Agree. Um, I fully agree. I think, Mike, can you ask the question one more time. I want to make sure I'm answering the right question. Yeah, for sure. No, it's how big is education a factor for where you choose to live? Oh, I think it's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this is literally when people when I say, you know, I would I'm certainly open to going back to Connecticut, people are mm -hmm. like, huh? What? <laughs> but I think when it comes to education and the options that are available for education, I think it's I would say a top 10 state, certainly, you know, maybe top five. Um, and so I think that availability of, of options for education, for extracurricular involvement, for, you know, just being a center of, of higher education and having access to, you know, programs that will offer, you know, enrichment, so on and so forth. I think it's a, it's a huge decision because it's not only, you know, a decision for a year or a decision for two years. This is a, you know, 15, you know, uh, you know 13, Probably 14, 15-year decision, right? Family you know, it's a 20-year yeah. decision. If you're looking yeah. at, you know, potential higher education as well. And as Stephen said, this is where you're spending the majority of your day, right? It's the same way when we come to choosing companies that we work for, we better make sure we like our team because we're spending, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week there. And this is sort of the same decision that we're making for our kids. Um, and I think, you know, this is, it's especially important because this is one of the major decisions that we as parents make for our kids with out significant input for them and mm -hmm. so when you know they transition to college and when they transition into adulthood even if they don't go to college 
this decision in terms of where we sent them to school from kindergarten through 12th grade can impact will impact the rest of their lives and and they have yeah. very little say over it and so this is one of those things that we have to value as parents as parental you know uh, guardians to make sure that we're making the best possible decision and you know i think at this stage in our lives not having kids we still have the flexibility to try out different things different states different cities but I think as, you know, we start to plan for families, which is a whole nother conversation, then mm -hmm. I think, you know, making sure that we're considering things like education has to be, I would say, top one, maybe two priorities, out, you know, outside of a family. You know, that's facts. So like in that same, that same breath too, to your point, Corey, so like what kind of academic experiences do like, did you want your kids to have that y'all did not have for yourselves? It was something new that you would think that, damn, I wish I had this to better my development when I was a certain age or something. I think just a more, I think more classes exposed to different like fields in the real world. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, again, I tell you all the time, like I'm, I'm in tech just because of my nerdy passion for as a kid growing up. It wasn't necessarily because I took classes anywhere from k to i mean we had like maybe one or two technology classes but like they it wasn't coding it wasn't anything of that nature and even though i think Learn, learning how to type or something yeah like typing yeah, class I excel those, class yeah. you know things that might be a little bit more like uh like data data it's not really tech i don't know like a lot more of that like i think you know that or we had a culinary class in my school like i think cooking one or two we had some like um the outpatient healthcare type class we had to like we had a decent amount of things but I, I i want it to be like infinite and i think that only happens sometimes when the school is big enough where students can break off and do so many different things i think when schools are a bit smaller which i there's nothing wrong with small school i think there's a lot more focus on the students which is good but i wanted it to be an infinite number of, of available like activities for my kid to try out and figure out what they like and what they don't like um so I don't know if that answers your question. I I went off. No, it does. No, it does. Okay. Yeah, no. I was just asking, like, you know, just anything like you thought was like an experience, like, yeah, uh, that we were like you didn't have, like you said, you didn't, you didn't actually get the chance to take a tech class. I was saying yeah. I don't think I took anything that was really like heavily computer based until I took architectural design in high school. <laughs> I was yeah, like, what is it even, you know, get to play with the four plan software mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I'm like, damn, this is all interesting that I've never even been like exposed to before. Yeah, I think I took like a graphics class, but it wasn't even like computer graphics. I think it was like camera graphics or something in high school. So it was just like, you know, that's what it was. But I, like, for example, like I didn't, I wasn't in band or nothing because after my dad bought a violin, he said I have to play violin for the next six years. And after all, I wasn't playing. So I, did, I didn't get to play an instrument. But in high school, <laughs> I took a piano class and I thought that was dope. And that was like kind of like my introductory back into like musical instruments. And I think, you know, other people have those same experiences so it, I, I like I like infinite opportunities I don't want I want I don't want there to be limitations for my child in terms of what they decide to pursue or want to be yeah. doing in terms of hobbies I agree um I mean I think that was probably the biggest thing you know being able to allow my child to to test different interests right so whether it be you know again if the school doesn't have it hey maybe there's a summer camp right you're you want to be an astronaut we're going to send you to space camp right i want to you know be able to have those if they're not you know within the curriculum they'll create those extracurricular opportunities for for my child i think that would be you know so important if anything um i think the only other thing that i might add would be 
some of the the language programs, I think, you know, so I think when it comes to language, I know there were certain opportunities, not ne- again, not necessarily school related sometimes, you know, within the community to, you know, travel to a, you know, country uh, that yes. speaks that language, right? Yes. So to be to be immersed in that. And again, obviously not, you know, an elementary school or a middle schooler, but as you get to high school and you're saying, hey, this is a, a language that you're relatively good at and you like the class. And I would love to be able to help my child develop that by, you know, sending them to France for a month or, you know, three weeks or whatever the case is, or sending them to Spain, assuming that, you know, I feel comfortable in their, you know, responsible um, and them being responsible and things of that nature. But taking advantage, I think language will be continues to be so important as we become more of a global society. You, you have to be, you know, I feel like a global citizen, especially if you're operating in certain spaces. And I think knowing a, a second, mm-hmm. third language is so, you know, vital to that. And so if I could allow that opportunity to happen, I think that would be something that would, you know, hopefully something that I can do for for my child that I wasn't able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great answers. Uh, for me, I think it's just, I wanted them to have something that's more holistic than just, mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like traditional, I don't say public schools, I'm not trying to throw public schools under the bus, just traditional schooling is very cognitive based as it should be. Those are necessary skills that need development, but I just want them to have something that's more than that, um, something they can learn and develop and experience um, their own their own passions and their own ways of like seeing the world. I don't think that children have a lot of agency in choosing what they want to learn and what they want to do to, to all of our points that we mentioned so far. Um, I just want them to like have experiences that allow them to either try and fail, see what they like and they don't like, things that they can do a lot earlier than when they're in high school, when they're just about to graduate, you know, and then now they think about like who they are, what they want to do. Like, no, I want them to encounter that a lot younger um, and kind of like, I don't know, just have the, just be able to like, you know, try everything and not, and not just, you know, just have them in the box all the time, you know, very limited. Cause I think from my, I'll say from my elementary school, I felt like we didn't have a lot of extracurricular stuff. So it was just class or, maybe a gym class or something like that. Like, you know, there wasn't really much for us to do or learn from. Um, It's terrible, of course, but uh, yeah, I think that's the the biggest difference. So even to that point, to build off of that, I think that uh, a big question that we don't talk about enough, just how would you balance what you want to teach your children in terms of values and what they learn, how they develop, how they see the world, um, your own personal knowledge you want to pass down or you and your partners. Uh, How would you balance those teachings uh, from yourself with, the teachings they get at school because i've heard i feel like i've learned from parents informally that i know in my life um that they kind of have to de-educate their kids when they come home because mm. they they get taught some nonsense in some of these schools out here yeah. um, and they have to like can you have to like de-educate re-educate send them back like you know and then like they have because like children have to progress our schooling system to get that first degree to mm. order for them to enter the labor market or into adulthood or or as a member of society honestly um well, they already are, but, you know, as far as a working member of society, but, like, it's just, it, that's a very critical point for them. I just, you know, how do y'all think y'all would balance that? Well, I mean, I've always been a firm believer that home is the first teacher, and I think, you mm. know, a bunch of older people will, will agree to that. And when I say home, I don't just necessarily mean myself and, and my wife as uh, as a couple, but just <laughs> the village as a whole, right? You know, your grandparents, your uncles, your cousins, right? The coaches that, you know, I trust in the community, so on and so forth. Those are, are your first teachers, so on and so forth. And there's arguments, Mike, I don't know the exact age, you probably do, where they say a lot of a child's like 
value characteristic development happened, you know, before you even enter school, right? They say a lot yeah. of, you know, things are figured out by the time you're six or seven years old, mm-hmm. I believe. And so you, if you're you earlier, earlier exactly, yeah, yeah, even, er, even earlier than mm-hmm. that, right? And so I think if you're truly, you know, making the impact that I feel like a parent should make and you're teaching the lessons that you want to instill in your kid from zero to five, by the time you go to kindergarten, right, you're already firm in, in who you are. And I feel like school becomes more of a supplement to what's happening at home, even though you're spending the majority of your time in school, right? A lot of who you are is already ingrained in you um, to the point where I didn't necessarily feel, and again, obviously my going to school is going to be different than my kids going to school, but I didn't necessarily feel like going back home, I was de-educated. I feel like mm-hmm. I was always just sort of letting my parents know what what was happening in school and, you know, we would we would sort of just talk about it because they knew that the values that, you know, I had weren't going to be changed. And, you know, mm-hmm. what I learned in school, I might have learned, you know, more about George Washington and George Washington Carver. Mm. But they knew I knew who George Washington Carver was in the in the impact he had. And so it wasn't saying that, you know, what I learned about George Washington was inherently wrong but it was saying that there's another part of history but i had learned that history and continued to learn that history at home and so it wasn't that school was wrong it was that i had two schools i had school from nine to three and i had school from three to nine and and i think it's it's so important to look at it that way so you're not you know changing things but you're giving just as much teaching not in terms of former lecture style where you're saying, hey, take out your notebook, we're taking notes, but just in terms of how you interact with the kid, right? In terms of the conversations you're having at the dinner table, in terms of the shows that you're showing in the household, in terms of, you know, who you let the kid hang around or what music is played in the car, all of that, I feel like will serve as lessons that will allow for just as much learning time in that kid's life as they're getting in school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I echo what Corey said, man. So I know kids kind of have to like de-learn or relearn when they go home, but I don't think that was a issue for me. Like, I, I mean, I said on the pop on my dad had a whiteboard in my house since I was like two in an apartment. <laughs> like, so there wasn't, I don't know, there wasn't anything you can override teach. Like, you know, the math, and it's really, it, and we're really talking about history when we have these conversations. Like, you don't need to yeah. relearn math or science to mostly to an extent you don't really need to relearn maybe writing to some degree learn about authors and writing styles and you know topics maybe but we're really talking about history and my dad is so pro-black like you know we i was coming home from school and he would be like the first president wasn't george washington carver or george washington it was homeboy whose name i forgot so i just failed my dad's lessons entirely right now but (laughs) (laughs) and he's showing me like the news articles and everything i'm like Okay. Yeah, but that's probably right. And we'll go to school and learn. Now, I don't outright start arguing with folks in class. I'm just like, yeah, I learned something different at home. And I'm probably going to take my dad's word over my kid. Now, granted, that's his own problem in certain households. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't know. I think I think the the foundation is going to be so strong. Y'all already know that I'm I'm, I'm a pretty, to a, to a degree, stubborn personality. Um, and so I don't think I'm going to have a problem uh, ingraining the life lessons and the culture I need into my child. I think I think the probably the biggest I think the hardest part parents probably struggle with is their child going to school and then going to tell the teacher they're wrong because they don't like the teacher or the teacher mm-hmm. always tell them they don't know what they're talking about. Now they're going to go to school. Like, well, my mom said this and my dad said that or whoever said this is like, all right, you know, what do you do with that information? But 
I just, I just have, I, I personally feel confident that everything should be fine. Me and my spouse, we're going to make it work. However, it needs to work. So for black over here, you know, the vibes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I agree. That's some funny stories. Um, yeah, I mean, I think because in the in the midst of the uh, what I would call it, I call it anti CRT, but there's a lot of book bans and you know a lot of you know they're banning yeah. race discussions. They kind of stopped calling it critical race theory. I don't know who invented that title. They gotta get a million dollars just for the nastiness. It was created <laughs> just for the nastiness, but it was a um, it was a legal discipline um, in the 80s and 90s. It was pretty much where it started, but there was um, who was he? There was a fellow what he was doing before he joined a right-wing think tank but he kind of he it was his kind of um, grandchild yeah yeah uh to change it to take the term and hyper politicize it kind of devoid it of the Crazy, original meeting bro. give it the meeting that they they want it to be a, a more broader umbrella term that can be easily identified um because critical race theory you'd be like you hear that you're just like what the hell is that type of thing yeah uh if, you, if, you, if you're not any more knowing um than what it is so yeah no you're right i, I I got a guy as far as president, uh, former president, um, Trump. Uh, what he did, he signed that he signed some executive order against Man, or something like that. He signed yeah, so I mean, many of those hey, I lost count, Mike. No, you're right, but hey, I'm just saying that's how that's how successful his um his communication campaign was on CRT. But I just think in the midst of all of that stuff, there's like you know, I don't know who knows what's being taught as far as social studies and history lessons and things that what kind of conversations they're having around. Either sexual gender identity or race, or if they have them at all in those classroom spaces, because it can be it's a different world we're going to be moving into for when our kids uh, eventually get here too. Uh, so, but we'll, so Mike, how do you, how would you navigate? I think I don't want to steal steal your thunder, but how would you navigate? <laughs> I think the the identity politics types conversations when it comes to you know raising a child and just I think for me I think a lot of it is just making sure that I'm interacting with the teachers, right? What's actually mm -hmm. happening in the school? Um, because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times the reason that, you know, de-learning or trying to, you know, reteach happens is because parents are so disassociated with what's going on in their child's classroom that, you know, they're learning what's happening from their, their child's classroom from their child. But it's like, no, you should probably know like, hey, the teacher knows my phone number, right? The teacher could, you know, send, give me a call if something's going on. And I think that's a way to mitigate that because you're able to say, okay, this is what's happening in the next module or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. I know how to have a conversation with my child about what's going to happen to the point where I know their values are aligned, but I also know that they're prepared to learn about something that might not be something that I taught them, you know, and they're and they know how to respond to that effectively mm -hmm. you're saying what i would do in that situation mm -hmm. um that'd be tough i would say it'd be tough i think the point of it is the parent engagement now again we live in a world that's hard for the average parents to be engaged because how much people have to work um that's these true. days yeah. and child care and a whole bunch of other reasons um so that engagement part is tough now because when this anti-crt stuff was happening a lot of parents I don't know. I don't speak to a lot of level of their engagement, but they surely were popping up at their school, local school board meetings. PTO. Yelling, yeah, yelling, screaming, giving speeches and soliloquies about whatever the hell they thought critical race theory is or what it's doing. And even though it has never and never will be taught in grade school. Um, it's just like, how do you, I don't know. I don't know how you respond to that type of political pressure, but if it was for me, as far as like, I didn't, it just has to be, I mean, these things are discussed at school board meetings. 
that's <laughs> like as far as like proposals for new ideas of social studies and like you know these things are relatively accessible meetings i guess if you live in near state capital or your, or your local school board um so you can literally you can hear what's being discussed you can always like you said talk to the teacher you can talk to the principal you can or you can get form your own pta if you wanted to or your own parent association if you wanted to engage with the school or the district through that means um there's a lot of avenues you can take to to learn what's actually being talked and how they talk about it how they what kind of pedagogy or curriculum they're using within classrooms um and those avenues are a lot more civil, I will say, and taking that discord and taking that direction. If I ever had that concern, I mean, I feel like they'll be concerned if my child said some, says something crazy. <laughs> I kind of like, you know, a little while I'm like, wait, what? Like, where did you learn that type of thing? And they told me they learned it from school. And then it's like, all right, <laughs> and I mean, I'll call your teacher and like talk about it. But um, I mean, at this, I think, I think for me, I would want to put trust in our educators and our teachers that they are, you know, they, they're, they're ethical about what they do. They're not, I don't believe any teachers ever oh well, i can't say ever my little speak for all teachers there are bad teachers in the world but there i'm a, i think majority of the teachers in the world are ethical they you know they, they clock in they care about the kids they want to teach them they want them to learn they want them to progress you know they want them to get their attainment at the end of the day uh just putting trust in, in them and and like they're here to do the job because you know damn sure, damn sure not a high paying one damn sure don't come with a lot of luxuries to be a teacher especially a elementary middle or high school teacher um and so yeah, man, that's just about, but I think that's a, you know, to your point of that question, I think a big missing piece here is that community in education. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, that's been a missing art in science, honestly, for a long time, as far as our community relationship goals with our local schools, because if they're failing, if there's high teacher turnover, if there's you no know, high absenteeism, there's lack of parent engagement because of either financial reasons or others, like there's just, there's no way for this synergy or this capacity to, to happen between the school and where it's located and where the community where it's located. Um, it's tough, man. It's, it's, it becomes a self-fulfilling cycle. And then, you know, you get just poor, you get disinvestment, you get poor schools who, you know, push out kids or kids fail out of school or the school prison pipeline. It's uh, so much. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Nothing yeah so it's, it's a big question, So much right? that goes into it. Yeah. yeah so much that goes yeah. into it. And, like, you know, if that, that lacking community is not there, I think there's something like something all three of us focus on our own personal like work and lexicon that we that we that we do in our day to day. But if we can really bring that back into our works, into what we really um, do, I think we can make our, our community relations more vibrant for as far as black people and black schools, black educators, um, black school leaders um, and things of that nature, too. But then again, we all have to show up and do the work. No one's going to do it for us. So we can leave. Oh, no, I have one more question for you all. Um, thank you. No, one, no one's coming to save you. Uh, shout out to Dr. Eric Hines. There we go. Um, <laughs> one more small question. Uh, what was it? Oh, do y'all care if your kids go to a different alma mater? Oh, excuse me, a different university than your alma mater, than your uh, undergraduate no, alma mater I, or master's? I, I don't care. I think the only thing I struggle with is like, if you have more than like maybe two or three kids, all of them, especially if they're close to all of them at different schools. I mm -hmm. think I struggle with that concept. It's like, how are you here, here, here? Now, I understand, of course, like, Maybe one's really good at playing the cello and they went to a music or art school and then one was a sports school and they went here to that. And like, I understand that, but I don't know. In my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm dropping y'all off. <laughs> Let's find a school that can do everything for y'all. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't say it's cool, but I think there's something there, there is alert. There's a, there's something to be learned as siblings when you're in the same school and it's one thing to navigate the same space at home navigate the same space at church or family function being siblings in school is is, is definitely an interesting thing um and i and again this is such a like unimportant part of picking a school 
but it's just kind of like a hmm you know just a thought but i think you learn a lot about just how to act in public with your sibling how to navigate spaces how to kind of like you know keep it at home at home at school as well at school so like I think me and my sister, me and my sister were in the same school only in elementary school and in high school. And me and my little brother were never in the same school at all. I think besides maybe elementary school, because he was like, when I'm going, he's coming. Like we have that four year gap. So we miss high school. But I don't know. It was interesting being in high school with my sister. I don't know. It was just funny watching everything. So I don't know. This is me. Um, no, I don't I don't really care. I think, you know, now having more knowledge of the college process, the college admissions process, you know, just navigating college in general. I think there will be more factors that my child will likely consider than I chose, than I looked at in terms of, you know, their interests, areas of interest, you know, the types of clubs and things that they have on campus, the types of access to internships and, and all of that nature. Because I think, you know, again, the future of higher education is still, I think, up in the air um, in, mm -hmm. in certain places. But I think, recognizing that as more people continue to get degrees, the school that you go to does, you know, I think matter a little bit more. And so, you know, having those types of conversations, Hey, I want to be an engineer. What does that look like versus, Hey, I just want to go to college, which I think, you know, for a lot of folks that are first generation students, that's what it is, right? I just want to go to college. Where can I go to school as opposed to, Hey, I want to be an engineer. I want to be, you know, uh, scientist or I want to be a mm -hmm. physicist how do I help that specific goal or that specific outcome um and so I think that will likely mean going to a different school because you're you're looking at additional factors than than your mom or dad did so yeah yes, that makes sense no I agree with y'all <laughs> I thought it was a funny yeah. question though someone asked me the other day I'm like I don't really, I don't really care I'd be cool yeah. if they went to the same one. I mean, I ain't going to blame them, but Tell you if what, you don't want to be there, if you don't want to be there, I ain't going to force you to go. I, I feel like, you know, if you ask somebody who went to a school with a little bit more prestige, a Harvard or Yale Princeton. or a, a Princeton, you know, they might have slightly different answers depending on how, how much they like their university. But, you know, we just went to the basketball capital of the world. So, I mean, we're just... There we go. There we go. Listen, I got to remind people all the time out here. They're like, yeah. you a fan? I'm like, uh, only one of our schools is ranked in both men and women. Uh, <laughs> now, now everybody's quiet. Now nobody got nothing exactly. to say. Exactly. And them, yeah, they, listen, I'm pretty upset. Uh, I'm listen, yo, they couldn't <laughs> do this when we was there, bro. Oh, my. I, I know campus is lit. I know Gameplay is rocking. I'm like, man. Well, all them days I walked on that campus, hoping and praying for days like this. Bro, <laughs> glad I was glad the current students enjoying it, though. I'm not, I'm not hating. I just wanted at least more than one time. I mean, I, I shouldn't even be complaining, but man, I thought, why well, another year? I'm about to see at least two or three national titles. Easy, easy. So Did y'all see one? Did y'all see one? We saw on either side. We saw a woman. Well, Mike wasn't yeah. there yet. Mike was still. I think he was at the Waterbury campus at that time. In 2015, right? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, or 2015, 2016 year. But that yeah. was Brianna Stewart's last year. So I remember that one. That was dope. But I was like, oh yeah, yeah. they'll get another one. And then the I'm at I, I missed the duel by a semester, man. I was yeah, so upset that's about tough. That. Yeah, that's super tough. <laughs> and those, senior, those seniors living it up, man. 2014 ones. Bro, we'll leave that in the past, bro. We don't need to unpack <laughs> that. We don't need to unpack that <laughs> for sure. Uh, we can go on table talk really quickly. Um, so it's still education related topic, um, but it's a little controversial depending on who you ask. Uh, do you believe in alternative schooling for your kids? So that could be a private school, magnet, charter, virtual, homeschool, or anything of that nature. 
are Magnus and Charters really considered alternative at this point? Yeah, they are. They be having lotteries to get into them at this point. Um, at least the Magnus yes. do. They're like they're always will be. I guess the normal is always public school. <laughs> okay. No, I only ask because I think for certain districts, depending on how large your district is, they consider. I mean, yes, they have the lottery yeah. system, yeah. but they're still considered, cool. you know, within the public school. Um, depends yeah. on state. The, the, yeah, yeah. It, exactly. The depends branch, on your city yeah. or state. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. yeah. technically, they're a public-private partnership. It depends on where you go. Uh, but I agree. Um, I would consider it, and I think it goes back to your original question, or one of your original questions in mm-hmm. terms of what would you want to provide your kids that you weren't able to be provided? Um, And I think that goes into how you're selecting a school as well, right? I think Steven mentioned it in one of his examples, right? If my kid wants to be a musician, you know, and they're really good at, you know, one thing, then there might be a a magnet school or a charter school that has that specific focus and, you know, has investment in terms of music rooms, in terms of, you know, their, their teachers are classically trained or, or, you know, whatever, music designation you know looks like i think that's being able to provide that access to those resources to support that dream or that goal of my child which might mean alternative education um because i think a lot of times unfortunately when budget cuts you know for this example in particular arts is one of those first things that tends to get cut um and so knowing that if you know art is something that my child wants to pursue trying to help them pursue that I think by any means as a parent is something that I would certainly try to do. And so, yeah, I would consider it. Um, I don't think it would be a first priority, right? I'm not one that says I'm definitely homeschooling my kid or I'm definitely sending my kid to private school. I think I'm certainly open, but I do. And again, it goes back to choosing a, a state or a location or choosing where I live that has a variety of options that I feel are all adequate for education to give me a multitude of choices to allow my child to succeed yeah um i'll echo most of Corey's sentiments i think i still will prioritize a public school only because you're paying taxes to the school so like <laughs> why am i not setting them there um yeah you know what i'm saying no there's an argument out there that that's you truly pay for your education because what you pay for is what you get depending on what your community invests into it. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why it's important to choose the right community. I think a lot of the times, you know, when folks, uh, for like, excuse my, my language, but shit on public schools Mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely sending to private school. I'm like, well, yeah, you went to a public school in a pretty bad place. Like I understand Mm -hmm. why you should, I don't think that should be applying to, Every public school. I've seen public schools that are top, again, we're talking about Connecticut. There are public schools that are top 10 ranked in the state because their public school is just that good. They have mm-hmm. the education infrastructure. They have the the instructors and teachers. They have the athletic facilities. They, yeah. they have it all. And mm-hmm. I think you can you can get you can get that sometimes at a public school. Um, I just have to see how the world we live in lays out because I'm not going to lie. I've, I've talked to parents out here. I've talked to parents in Connecticut and, you know, I know folks who send their kids to um, private schools like, you know, K through eight right now, and they're paying 10, 20 G's a year. And I, I, I play that I'm plenty, um, um, I'm abundant in my wealth as I grow in age and I have all the money in the world, but even with all the money in the world, 20 G's is no easy money. It is no easy money. And I'm not going to pretend I'm going to have 20 G's every year. I hope they have a payment plan, but like 20 G's ready and if I per have multiple kid. kids, per, per kid, kid. That, you know what I'm saying? So now, you know, God, you know, God bless me three, four or five, I'm talking about a hundred, hundred, hundred racks a year. 
Come on, Mike. That's a lot going on. That's a lot right. going on. I am in, I'm in your choir. <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I will consider it. I think growing up, I think, or even when I used to think about this, even like four or five years, I always thought synonymously with private school, with boarding school. I don't know why they always click together. Like a lot of Catholic schools <laughs> and religious schools are private schools and you go, you go there and come back. But I don't know why I always thought about boarding schools first. I'm like, I'm going to send them all the way to boarding school. And like, it's one thing when, you know, your child's, you know, only with you a certain time of the day, like when they come home and they're at school all the time. They're at school all the time now. I don't know what parenting you're doing when they're at boarding school, but none of my business. I don't have kids in boarding school, so I won't speak on them. But yeah. No, I agree. No, thank you all for that. Um, Corey's face is hilarious, yo. <laughs> Mike, you answered? Oh, no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I am not a fan of school choice. That is known in my work. Um, you said you're not what? Fan of school choice, um, mm -hmm. but because it's because of the way it's offered and the reality of it, not not the idea of it. And I agree um, with you on that premise. Yeah, yeah, the idea of it's fine, fantastic. It's fine, but this let me not get into it. But uh, for my kids, uh, I would like to be somewhere that the public school is exceptional because, like, I'm not paying tuition for anything that's not college. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, I went to public schools my whole life. Look at me now. Uh, look, so, look at me now. Don't uh, like to do I'm it, here. but look at me now. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I prefer to just plant my roots, me and my uh, my wife, and, you know, somewhere that we believe in the school system, believe in the education that's provided for them. Um, I'm just not too comfortable with charter schools from what I know about them. Um, oh, some no. some, some are exceptional, no. some, you know, but some yeah. aren't really no, impactful. They're some all just, knows, Mike. It's more marketing oh, than it's impactful educational system sometimes. Uh, manual schools are good, too. Um, oh, it just depends. also depends on what my child's interested in. By the time they're, like, middle school or so, uh, maybe we can take more more one of those. Or trade school. I forgot to even mention trade school. There's definitely trade, have trade, have schools. I mean, academic schools, too. Um, it depends on what my child's interest, interested in. I would like that. I would like them for them to have the options of it, um, too, to choose something different if they're getting older. If, they, if they're, like, you know, some kids are, like, you know, you can tell what they're going to do, what they're going to be when they're, like, very young. Um if, that, if that's the if that's the case, then cool, we can put you on that path. So I believe in to some degree. I'm not gonna be sitting here and, and tell people that you know choosing one over the other is gonna you know automatically improve their their educational quality or or like you know attainment or something like that. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, man. Thank you. That was a great conversation. Um, engage with us again, audience. If you want to talk more about these great topics and great issues? Uh, there's no plug a plug this week, so we can go right into pass off. Starting us off, man. I could go first. Um, I did a throwback for, for the first time in a while. I haven't really been plugged into to new music. I know Steven said he has, so I know he probably got me this week. But um, I did a throwback still in my my cuffing season bag or back in my cuffing mm. season bag. Um, so if y'all don't got this on a playlist, please make sure you consider it at least. Um, the song is called Permission. Uh, the artist is Ro James. Spend a little time with you 
James permission um, I'm sure you've already checked it out but please if you haven't make sure you check that and the whole album um, a listen that was alright I liked it yo Steven's uh, hilarious I'm sure I'll, I'll go next uh, I think I got some revive a little bit at least it's R&B I don't know if it's some revive uh, my song is called Juice by Manny Wells from the Unwanted EP Juice. Put that jiggy in my cup, I'll drink it. Come with me, let me see some with it. 
Jack, give me the time and the place. Jack, give me the sign, no they wait. Just give me the sign, put that chicken in my plate, I eat it. I like the chess on with it. Take your time, don't got it, please, nobody. Yeah. You got the choose, you got the choose. You're on to me, I'm on to you. That is Juice by Manny Wells, Unwatered EP. Check it out um, on your phones everywhere you get music. Yeah, and last but not least, uh, the song I picked this week is Angel by Little Sims. Um, but Steven, you can play like half of it. It's a pretty long song. All right. About being immortalized how can i stand with the ops and not with the tribe they say you were dreaming and want you to glorify got a rude awakening by ignoring i pull the signs why did i give you the keys to authorize shit on my behalf now i'm scarred and mortified what did i expect from those living a corporate life unfortunately honesty isn't normalized had to get my shit together and get organized if your hands in my pockets i'm calling up all the guys though i don't want to be the reason of more divide guess that's in my nature of being a water sign i'm sort of like Nothing is making sense in my awkward mind Give me your ears, selling me for the night Shooting in the dark, guess I never saw the light Revolt access, I'm running it back, yes Missing opportunities, I wish I was that pressed Yeah, I say that shit with my damn chest You need me and you feel the loss of my absence The novelty wears off after a few years After a few tears from challenging new fears Learning everything I didn't on the come up We was too busy making music till the sun up Every day through the summer Didn't learn a business and now I'm ducking for cover What a fuck up Might just leave a bad taste thinking I'm a sucker Come up at my damn face nigga did I star? It's gonna be a sad case if you see my brothers I can see how an artist can get tainted Frustrated They don't care if your mental is on a brink Or something dark as long as you're cutting somebody's payslip And sending their kids to private school in a spaceship Yeah, I refuse to be on a slave ship Give me all my masters and lower your wages Huh what I'm bringing to the table is more than a feast for the belly of the beast. Didn't know I'm dropping something heavy for the streets. Fuck the politics, I'm going Megan on uniques. I need the best seats in the house when the truth unfolds. It's gonna be one hell of a scene. Harry listening from heaven on repeat. He was back in it when nobody believed. Play the game, play the game is what they scream. You can play the game, I don't see the need, no. Feel so I like that, Mike. I think you won this week by far, no question. Damn, I appreciate it. <laughs> Again, that was uh, Angel. You unmute, you unmute Steven. Little... No, my bad. I said, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was listening. I was like, damn, Mike won the week. That's tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, she was spazzing, man. Shout out to Jake, man. He was talking to her yeah. for years. I was like, let me check her out. Uh, but th that, again, was Angel by Little Sims. Yeah, that's in the library now. That's an ad.
<laughs> it's from a new album. Check it out. Yeah, no, I'm about to listen tomorrow when I'm yeah. working. <laughs> I'm dead. All right, thank y'all again for tuning in. Tuning in with us. This is AD Convos checking out. We'll catch y'all soon. Stay safe. Spread the word of our people. See us as equals. The time step aside. Be on a sequel. You can catch us at 5 p.m. Every Sunday. Telling stories about the culture. Do out and sculpture. Recording every Friday. So here it our way. No need to catch a flight away. Stay tuned for our take. Conversations.